0: Hello and welcome to the Untranslatable Podcast. We are here recording episode 166, and today we are going to talk about round two of On the Road Again in Harbin, uh, the ice city of China in the northeastern part of China. So, uh, in case you were curious and wanted to know more about Harbin, this is the episode for you. And uh, I have to say, I was fortunate enough to visit the uh, Snow and Ice Festival, which we'll get to later. Uh, sent jared some popping picks to toss on the gram so keep your eyes out for those everybody
1: so without further ado my partner in crime my good buddy jared what's going on jared hello uh i saw those popping picks. they will be put up onto our instagram untranslatable podcast twitter untranslatable one they probably won't be put up there uh, well maybe they will if i'm feeling friendly who knows i guess i can do it uh you can also Let's spread a little love and give us some uh, five-star reviews on itunes and stitcher uh we love that we read them we'd even read them here if you uh were to uh, actually listen to me you know <laughs> wow wow um you can also see us on youtube if you like um and you can see chad and his various locations in me in my same location yet now for me it's morning which is always lovely a nice little change of pace um chad I watched American Factory, as promised. I hope you did, too. Um, I did. And yes, you're on the road again in Harbin, but you're on the road again in Harbin again. So uh, I also (laughs) want to (laughs) take some time to talk about this movie, because I found this movie to be fascinating. So first, let me just give a quick explanation of what it is. There, it's called American Factory. It's on Netflix. It's a um, Chinese glass company that um, Fuyao, Fuyao, that uh, supplies automotive glass to a wide variety, seventy percent of the automotive market. So gigantic company, and they want to open operations in the United States, and they choose a recently closed down GM factory. They they bought it. Fuyao bought it. Mm-hmm. And yep. they chose this factory to be the location of their first um, American office, In and Dayton, so what Ohio. They, Dayton, Ohio. And so what they do is they um, put out, uh, you know, they they put out a bunch of ads um, for new jobs, but they also give first go to the pre, to the uh, displaced GM workers. A lot of G- people used to work at the GM factory just let got let go when the plant closed, obviously. And so they get a chance to work at this factory too. And GM, much like uh, most of the um, U.S. car companies or all the U.S. big three car companies, are known for having great labor situations, and you know, part of a union, the UAW, which is a huge automotive mm-hmm. union in the in the United States. And so, it's a very good place. It's known as a very good uh, sort of American wage job to get to support, mm-hmm. and actually support your family and have a pretty good life. So, these people are coming back to a. Um, so fuyao is coming back it's a chinese managed company so um fuyao brought about 100 or 200 i believe chinese at, workers at with At first them. 100 and then they increased it to
0: 200 i believe yeah
1: some of them were also just line workers some of them were executives and managers and um the chinese were separately getting trained on uh the cultures of the U S how to yep. work in the United States, yep. how to train American workers, mm-hmm. how to, um, like what, what you can do in America that you can't do in China. And so I, I so that's just a background of the movie, but I uh, wrote down a lot of notes and we can just go through some of these cause I, I'd like to get your opinion, but there's a lot I want to talk about. And I don't even know how to do it in a structured manner. Cause my brain's all over the place. So I also, first I wrote down some quotes and these are in order. So, um, America is uh, so. So this is at the very beginning when Fuya was first coming to uh, the United States, and the training. They're training the first batch of American wor- uh, Chinese workers. Excuse me. The uh, there's a train. The Chinese trainer speaking to the workers, saying, "America is a place to let your personality run free. Yep. Uh, cars are big and comfortable. Um, you can even joke about the president and not get in trouble." Um, Americans dress comfortably and are concerned with appearance. It represents <laughs> yeah, their laugh. casualness. <laughs> 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 Americans are direct and don't have anything to hide. So it it's kind of sounds nice. You're like, all right. The way you're saying it, it's a little, a little weird, but it's essentially saying you're freer. You know, you can come here and you don't have to be so concerned about uh, how you're carrying yourself. You don't have to like. Essentially, as we've talked about here, this whole idea of saving face doesn't really exist here in the U.S. is essentially what he's saying. Right. Um, and so it's and like, can no, I explain great, great. saving face real quick for our listeners who aren't familiar with that concept if they haven't been to China
0: real quick? So the idea of face in China, it's all about relationships and, and your kind of reputation amongst your coworkers or peers or whatever. Um, and so, you know, there are plenty of things you can't. I mean, you can do them in China, but it's definitely not looked at in a very positive light which then causes you or your coworkers to lose face which is a very mm-hmm. um, negative thing here and people really try to avoid it so yeah that I I also found that very interesting in the
1: beginning of the documentary have Jim. you Glad have you found it. yourself have you found yourself carrying yourself noticeably different than maybe you would in the Czech Republic or the United States especially around, or around people in general because of this whole save face thing
0: I I try to be careful with what I say to my students and how I say it. I don't want my message to be interpreted incorrectly. Um, But it's much different than, I think, the the way that um, these factory workers are interacting together. It's very different, Uh, especially the idea of hierarchy and communicating with your peers. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't really have that much contact with a lot of higher-ups at the university just because... They're very busy, and um, at the same time, too, it's just a completely different environment. Being a teacher in China than working right. in a factory in Dayton, Ohio, with Chinese workers. But it's a mm-hmm. fascinating documentary, Jared. And let's let's talk a little bit more about it.
1: Um, so the way they set it up at this factory, um, they I, I, I'll give I'll give the Chinese people this. They did make a point to try to get these uh, American and Chinese workers to. Intermingle together and work together. They did. So what they did, you know, the Chinese were essentially also kind of the trainers of the Americans because every, mm-hmm. you know, everyone from China had been doing this job uh, at the Fuyao factory in China for a while. And so what mm-hmm. they did was they set Americans up with Chinese, and um, with with excuse me, with Chinese workers up with Americans, I should say, and they were sort of you know doing training. And the chairman of the company, CEO as we pr- might call it here would come pre- periodically to the American factory, um, and uh, one of the Chinese execs would walk around with him and explain how everything's going. And he, would, he was saying to him this first time when he was coming, uh, the Americans are pretty slow. They have fat fingers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, what I was um, laughing. I heard that. <laughs> and he also said to, and, and he said, um, some of them sort of have st- struggles understanding how to properly do the job and uh the the chairman just said to them okay okay just make sure you don't upset them you know Mm -hmm. you know it's all it's that whole just like you know make sure you tell them what they want to hear still because um they they need to be treated a special kind of way um it's weird because the relationships between i'm sure you'll agree with this the relationship between the americans and the chinese is both heartwarming at times and mm-hmm. also, especially cringeworthy. I'll give you an example of a heartwarming too, because I'm going to give you a lot of cringeworthy examples coming up soon. But for example, at the very uh, close to the beginning, when the Chinese workers were new there, they were they went to a local lake uh, and they are all fishing, and there are also that a lot of a local good, yeah. um, Ohio, uh, you know, Ohio people there fishing as well. And and two of the two of them, you know, there were coworkers and stuff. And one of the guys was trying to, like, you know, make conversation, explain to him uh, certain things about the culture, explain to him certain, you know, he's talking about Wheaties, the cereal, and obviously the Chinese guy didn't know what Wheaties was, but... but that was kind of a heartwarming moment. You know, he was trying to explain to him some customs, and, and the Chinese guy was trying to understand, and it was like, a, oh, look at them trying to, you know, right. yeah, the cultures are different. Yeah, they can't get a, really understand each other, but they're trying to make a relationship. How heartwarming. And, and the, so stuff like that one, was nice. The other one I really liked,
0: Jared, was, um, I forget the the Chinese worker's name now, but he went with the the... Old Ron I think was the dude's name mm-hmm. the older the guy that owned the horses and stuff yes and he and Ron mm-hmm. invited him and other colleagues chinese colleagues over for thanksgiving they had thanksgiving yes. together and then, and then he took them out back to shoot guns and he showed some pictures <laughs> yes. on his phone of these chinese <laughs> dudes with these guns and oh man it was it was so funny but the thing was that i really liked about watching that was that um I do think there is a level of, and I really liked that how they juxtaposed some of the different Chinese viewpoints on working with the Americans. Because mm-hmm. the one Chinese guy who was close friends with Ron said that he they were like brothers. They were like family. He has my back. I have his. Um, yes. And, he, and the Chinese guy, uh, I'm so sorry I forgot his name, but he, he said a lot of positive things about working in the States, working with Americans. The only thing that he really said was that he... Missed his family back home in China, which is understandable. Um, right. I definitely caught some feels when when that uh, scene came on because I, of course, uh,
1: obviously missed my friends and family as well. Um, but anyways, and that, it was that's it was interesting. interesting. Like mm-hmm. I was gonna bring that up later, but that is an interesting thing about this about that I didn't realize was uh, seems like pretty commonplace for Chinese people to leave their families to work, yep. like even. Even at the Chinese Fuyao plant, it, the, it's either in Shanghai or Beijing, some big city. No, no it's and, it's in Fu, Fujian, I believe. Oh, it is? Okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, it's in some city, and um, the vast majority of the workers we heard from were talking about how... They don't see like if they're lucky, they see their family twice a year. But usually, it's only going to be around like the uh, the Chinese New Year time, which is is when they can actually see their family. And so, yeah, so a lot of these people are that we were listening to are probably seeing their family right now. But um, but there but there's no like it seems like it's it's sort of a good chance that you're going to have to leave your family to work. And it's also interesting. I don't. Once again, I'm speaking more similar to these Ohio people than these Chinese people, obviously. But, like, I don't understand the concept also of, so you're married, you have two kids, yet you're also, like, like how how did you get to that place while also working a job that's away from people or how did you not have a job and get to this level of family then move away like i don't understand how this happens so commonly well jared i'm going to assume that
0: the family probably came first because at least the depending on how old they are um and this is one thing i've noticed here in china is that i am terrible about guessing people's age like uh, i was mm. well, you know in harbin i was uh doing a teaching workshop and uh, one of the teachers I was working with, uh, she asked me how old I was, and I said, "Oh, I'm 28." And she, "Oh, you're a young man." I and I looked at her; I thought she was like maybe 35. She was 45. Uh, <laughs> so, so, I, so a lot. Of, so, I'm terrible with telling age here in China. But the thing is, is I think, in terms of Chinese culture, a lot of Chinese people are married and have children at a fairly young age. Most of them, mm. I would say, before mm-hmm. 25. So, if you are Interviewing anybody in their 30s or older, they probably got married, had a kid or two, and then maybe found that job and started working. So that would probably be how that came about. But another thing that I found interesting too, Jared, was that um, the Fuyao company wanted um, the American plant to have the same standards as the Chinese plant in terms of mm-hmm. output, in terms of everything like that. Which which on, on one hand, on a business and
1: uh, financial standpoint, I totally get you know you and don't want
0: to you don't want to have mm-hmm, go ahead
1: oh i was gonna say yeah for sure that totally makes sense and if you're making another plant like yeah you'd obviously think there's some growing pains but you'd also think mm-hmm. all right same size plant same number of people we should be able to shoot for the same amount of output like that kind of right. m- makes sense business-wise sorry go ahead that's all i was i was disagreeing right. with you Bus- yeah
0: yeah business-wise definitely but I think the cultural implications, the work standards, like mm-hmm. it was funny how the Chinese uh, workers in the States were complaining, like, how dare these Americans take Saturday and Sunday off? You yes. know, they should be coming in on Saturdays or Sundays. And then I remember one of the guys, one of the Chinese guys in one of the meetings said, well, why don't we can't we force them to do overtime? And it's like, yes, well, in the States, you can't. Um, and, and if they do overtime, in theory, they, you should be getting paid more as well. Um, and so it's, it was really interesting to see how that, the, the Chinese spin on American work standards kind of played out throughout the film, which I found very, very interesting. Um, yeah, it was a really, really enjoyable film to watch. Uh, very
1: interesting documentary. So part of, um, Part of them trying to, like, force them uh, – so, so what they also did was um, Fuyao brought the sort of the higher-ups of uh, – uh, the American hi, uh, higher-ups. None of them were, quote-unquote, executives. They're all sort of su- supervisors or managers, but still factory workers. So right. not, I, I don't want to get the idea that they invited a bunch of suits there. But they invited a bunch of uh, higher-ups from American higher-ups to the Chinese factory, one, as a welcome to the company, mm-hmm. yep. and two, to show, like, as a tour through their factory to see how can they improve the productivity. Because at this point, everyone was aware that, um, the, Fuyao, that the American Fuyao factory was underperforming uh, yep. way below what they were expecting. And so um, there was one American guy, I don't know if he started at the China Fuyao, And just happened to move back to America or if he was just an American guy from Dayton that happened to speak Chinese or if they hired specifically hired an American in America that could speak Chinese to be a liaison or something. But anyway, it was an American guy that spoke Chinese. And I don't know. If he knew the uh, knew the culture, and this is why he was saying this, or if he literally, if he actually believed this, but he was speaking now for to as to simplify, he was speaking like a Chinese person, and I say this to mean that he was speaking to another one of the Chinese people, saying, explaining his, he was speaking to a Chinese factory worker that works in China, explaining his struggles, saying that like we can't get them to um, work hard. One, they like to chit chat a lot. They mm, always complain about wanting to have breaks yep. they um and he's like only if we could uh he's like only if we could get duct tape and put it over their mouth and the chinese guys like oh are we allowed to do that and he's like <laughs> yeah. no that that's illegal <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> He's like, no, no, we can't do that. But the American guy was like talking to them, like, oh yeah, we're so lazy, and, and it's like I don't know if he's just doing this because he knows that, like he's doing what the Chinese people are t- saying to do Saving to us. Face, just tell them, tell them what they want to hear. Yeah. And I, I just wondered, I was like, yeah, he's American, but he also know, must know the culture because clearly he speaks fluently right. enough to understand mm-hmm. uh, the culture. Um. So I didn't know that, but I found that very interesting. And another thing, speaking of the, um conditions in china you could see how they could be so much more productive because they were bypassing one a lot of standard works a lot of work standards that we have here in the u.s with how much time you can work vacation injuries right. what happens if people get injured if someone right. got injured in a chinese plant they just fired them like and did got they someone say that else that in the movie are you are you sure about that uh yeah i'm 100 sure percent sure of that i remember i remember they did fire people that got injured did they? I don't remember that. Okay. I feel like I, I feel like they did. Okay. Regardless, if you if I mean, you had any in well, the let me States put it this do way, do that then. too though as well. If you had any uh complaints, they mm-hmm. fired you. I'll say right. that, and I'll and we'll get to that in a second. But um. Also, in the in, when they were in China, um, like there was a place where they had all the recycled glass, and there were just a bunch of people whose entire job all day was to sit in the glass with non like they had gloves that were not like rip resistant, and they were right. wearing no facial protection, just sorting glass, which was yep. a according to the Americans a huge safety violate, which makes sense. I mean, it seems pretty dangerous. Yep. Um, yep. So you know, oh, then another thing uh, that was interesting was when they were in the factory in china and and they were assembling the chinese workers to like explain they, they, i don't know why they're oh, assembling meeting, them yeah but they assembled them like they were in the military and they were like standing to attention sort of turning left and mm-hmm. right and clicking their feet like they were in the military and they were like what's our goal And they're like productivity and, like what's our goal like to you know be the best glass maker in china or whatever and it's just, right and i found that very interesting and it's like dismissed and you know it's this very military-esque Right. Um, and then they tried to do that
0: in the in the states. Just
1: have like a lineup morning yeah, meeting. Yeah, that was hilarious. And none of them were paying attention. They were like, <laughs> they're all oh, just leaning up against time. the wall, like not yep. saying anything, not responding to him. <laughs> right. Um, also, he was kind of like so passive about it too. He's like, "All right, guys, come on, let's try something new. Let's gather around." No, right. none of the Chinese work uh, managers would ever speak like that. They would be way right. more authoritative than that. Um. Right. Well, I
0: think there's okay. a, I think there's a different respect here in China for hierarchy.
1: I oh, think you that, think you didn't get yeah. that in the movie? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the movie um, though to me
0: was really fascinating just to see the two different cultures and kind of how what Americans' ideas of Chinese workers in China were and and vice versa. What I thought was really interesting was when they finally hired um a chinese guy to be the like the president of the american plant and how he said Mm -hmm. we are going to offer the best worker a fully paid trip to shanghai and it was really funny because it's like these are like lower middle class workers from ohio that probably don't know anything about china let alone (laughs) shanghai and he was like yeah we're gonna put you up in
1: this fancy hotel no one even looked excited and i mean i've been to shanghai it's It's an amazing city but but I mean, it wasn't really like like I understand what they were doing, but they were bringing one person, and they they yep. gave everyone a three dollar raise, which they were making half of what they made when they worked at GM. So a three dollar yeah. raise is not that big of a deal. Yeah, it's great because they any money is more is more money. They'll take it. Right. But then like it all right. it all seemed like so empty and half hearted. Of um, yeah. True. So hold on, you're getting ahead of yourself a little bit. There's one more thing about the, China, the first China trip I wanted to talk about, was the second part of that trip was the welcome the to party. our company part where they did the party, and that, is, mm-hmm. that made me feel really weird. That was another mix of heartwarming and cringeworthy. Now, uh-huh. those, those performances were the most cringeworthy things I've ever seen in my life. So there were singing performances, there were dancing performances, mm-hmm. there were light shows, all of them about Fu Yao and how to be a productive successful company mm. have you did you notice that yeah, where it's like I Fu yao that. is the paste ba- is the best glass manufacturer in china we strive for innovation uh zero percent uh, you know like um huge profits and like it was all just right. these like songs about being the best company and 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 hating your targets and <laughs> and i was like this is so really and i felt this weird mix of um Cringeworthy was also when they had the Americans go on stage and do the YMCA. I kind of felt like you're not, not like telling
0: me you didn't do the YMCA because when I heard I was doing the.
1: <laughs> I kind of felt like they were laughing at them, and making if it kind of it didn't feel like they were laughing with them. It felt like they were laughing at them, mm. and I and I also felt a weird mix of heartwarming and a little cringeworthy during when um, that one uh, one guy was going around at the end of the party saying like we're one family you know this is great for our was, like, cultures crying. to come together yeah. that was beautiful he, and he clearly felt like he meant it I just didn't feel like anyone gave a shit about the guy and, and meant it back to him you know they were saying it back to I him I felt like I was like dude right. these people don't give a shit about you is how I felt uh, yeah. when he was doing that and it, and it, and it was a bummer because he felt very welcome and I was like they're just doing this it all felt like manipulation to me it all felt like manipulation
0: interesting okay
1: i I don't know if i go that far well for example chad when they started talking about unionizing it turned into this sick game (laughs) so the americans were talking about we're were starting to get really fed up because the uh injuries were going up a lot Um, they were expected to work longer hours, um, and have really no repercussions for saying no, because there was no union Mm -hmm. and, um, work conditions were unsafe. There was, you know, they work with glass. So there are a lot of very hot environments. And, um, and so they were trying to unionize and they wanted to make more money too, obviously. And the Chinese, the the Chinese executives were all very against it. And they hired a labor relations company to come in and try to convince people not to do it and try to tell them why unions were actually worse for you than better for you. And um, one of the uh, supervisors, one of the Chinese supervisors, remember this? This guy was a real slimy motherfucker. This guy, he... um, Was talking about how um, we can't have unions. And he's like, look at this guy. This guy is a, a pretty good guy. You know, he, we took a pic, and it was, he showed a picture on on a phone of the two of them smiling and arm in arm. And he's like, this guy's a great guy. Uh, I met his family and, you know, and, and he'll be gone in two weeks. Yep. And whenever, yep. the, um, whenever the chairman was there and the executives, the Chinese executives were giving walkthroughs, all it was was just a, this guy's too slow, we're getting rid of him. We found a way to, to automate this better. We're getting rid yep. of this person. They're yep. talking about unions in here. We're trying to squash that. If not, we'll get rid of them. Like it was all just avoiding unions and how to get these people to fall in line. And there was no respect at all. Right. And I just and I, it was uh it was um I don't know. It was, a a, and culture, I know. You, I feel like you're trying to be nice. I feel like you're mm-hmm. trying to be nice here because one, you're in China right now, and because you're just a nice person. But I, <laughs> it felt so gross to me. It, it felt really gross to me. But dude, I think, I think,
0: corporate America is also like that too. I think any large corporation has so, similar things. Maybe not sure, as extreme. Sure. Sure.
1: Um, sure. But yeah, can, I, I, thought can it was I read? Really, yeah, just ahead. one more quote that for, from from the Chinese people that th- they were saying this to uh, in one of their meetings about how they need to like get the Americans to fall in line. Mm-hmm. We need uh, we need to use our wisdom to guide them and help them because we are better than them. That was that a direct quote, by the way. Yeah, that made me cringe. <laughs> so just stuff like that, I was just like, ah, man, I don't know. Yeah, and it was, it was weird an also, interesting documentary. It was, and and, and it it was interesting. To see that, like, it, it, it almost seemed like it was an, ev- like it was an even more extreme uh, ex- ex- example of, of uh, culture shock than if you were to just be, like, on vacation there, even, you know? Yeah, oh, I mean, for sure. Because you, you have, like, such a close interaction with these people and such an intimate style of interaction. And you guys both are doing jobs that you feel like you know how to do. For years, and it's just like, like, why won't these people... Another thing that they brought up, too, was that the Chinese people would call Americans foreigners in the American plant. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But that's just
0: what they do. And there was so much of this documentary that I could relate to being a foreigner in China, being an American Mm -hmm. in China, which is that, yeah, if you aren't Chinese, you will be called a foreigner. And for them, I don't think it really matters if they're in America and technically they're the foreigners. Uh, It's a Chinese company. You know, um, and I think a lot of the Americans did lack some of the cultural sensitivity to it. Sure. Um, And I think there was kind of this us versus them mentality on both sides, which I thought was kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. There were a few people that didn't have that kind of hostility, but I think a lot of them did. Yeah. One thing, Jared, that I thought was hilarious about the movie, and then I think we should move on so we can talk about some other stuff today uh, on today's episode. But one thing I thought was really funny was the CEO saying, you know, "Do do I really need to come here once a month, it's really tiring for me. Mm -hmm. And there are numerous shots of him just sitting in like a private jet. Like, sure, buddy, it's got to be so tiring for you.
1: You know, coming in a private jet. Speaking of him, now one last thing about him to finish this out. He did have a, like, it did end with a monologue spoken by him about Mm -hmm. how he feels as in his position. Because he talked about how he grew up uh, super poor. You know, he grew up in a village that used to be just sort of rural, and now, mm-hmm. like a lot of uh, Chinese cities, has just been ultra uh, industrialized. And he, um, and he, like he knows that the point, like he talk, can, you know, he continually talks about the point of living is to work. Is That's work. how he feels. Yeah. But you know, he almost feels like he somehow found himself as a powerful executive. He's like, how did I? And he's like, I don't know if I even like like what I do or myself for doing what I do. It's just. I have to work and somehow Mm -hmm. me having to work has found me in this position where and he's like he's like am I going to look back and be proud of myself he's like I don't know he's like but I can't stop that I felt sorry for and I think that's something that um is a great way to finish the movie because Americans and Chinese I think can agree with that like we both and we both have different styles of it but mm-hmm. I think we both prioritize workaholism in an unhealthy way, just in different oh, yeah. ways. Yeah, I would agree with that,
0: 100%. But check it out, American Factory on Netflix. Uh, it's a really interesting look at two cultures trying to come together, work together. Uh, it's really fascinating. Uh, so thank you, Jared, for uh, recommending it. I, uh, Thanks for watching Professor I, Jared's I homework, and uh, I'm mm-hmm. glad I did. It was really interesting. Really, really interesting. Well, Jared, this kind of leads smoothly i guess into our shout out for today because my shout out for today actually does go out to spread a little china love. because here in china they are um banning uh and having tons of restrictions on the production sale and use of single-use plastic products mm. uh Good. so so the country is trying to s- tackle one of the country's biggest environmental problems there are vast amounts of untreated plastic waste buried in landfills or dumped in rivers uh, and the United Nations has identified single plastic, uh, single-use plastic, single plastics as one of the world's biggest environmental changes. So the goal here, Jared, uh, in case you want some numbers, I know sometimes you're kind of a numbers guy, so here you go, Jared. Uh, all of China's major cities we by the Moses. end of 2020
1: mean to hit that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's okay, will
0: ban um, single-use plastics uh, – and they and sorry, and then in all cities and towns in 2022, markets selling fresh produce, however, will be exempt from the ban until 2025. So I'm sure they'll be trying to find another way that they can still sell produce. Uh, other items such as plastic utensils from takeaway food outlets and plastic courier packages will also be phased out. And by the end of this year, the restaurant industry will be banned from using single-use straws as well. Um, So the goal here by 2025 as well is that towns and cities across China must reduce the consumption of single plastic-use items uh, in the restaurant industry by 30%. So obviously you can't feasibly uh, eradicate single-use plastics overnight, but they are taking steps um, for the future to do this. So I think that's really great. Um, So Mm -hmm. lots of love to China for trying to be more environmentally friendly. I think that's really great. So, Jerry yeah. I think you know what time it is.
1: I do. I do. This is the untranslatable owl, everyone, signifying that it's time for some untranslatables. Um, now, I'm going to start with one real quick, just because this is a fun untranslatable um, from the movie American Factory used to explain um, a great way to uh, get along with Americans, um, now there's it's, I don't have the Chinese for it or anything. I just I just um, donkeys like being touch, touched, touched yeah. in the direction their hair grows. You should touch donkeys in the direction their hair grows. Otherwise, they'll kick you. I just found I just thought that was funny. It's like don't. It, it, essentially saying don't rub the Americans the wrong way. And this is right. this is what I was what we kept talking about and going back to is just tell tell them what they want to hear. Tell them right. what they want to hear. Yeah, we'll do whatever we want later. But it's just easier if you just. Make them happy now, right? I would say we have an
0: English untranslatable. Don't ruffle any feathers.
1: Yes, yes,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. Don't ruffle any feathers. Yeah, that that mm-hmm. was kind of funny uh, when I heard that. That also kind of made me think of oh, that's kind of an interesting untranslatable. <laughs> um, so let me, I'll I'll start you off with a Chinese one today, Jared. So this is um, let's see here, yi e wu yo which means um, uh, literally uh,
1: to not own a thing in the world. Is it like to have no Fs given kind of thing? Don't care?
0: Not quite. Like I'm free?
1: Or it's like you don't have any worries? I would say this is a negative one.
0: Uh, To be broke? (laughs) Not even to be broke, but literally just to feel like you don't have anything in the world. You're just oh. kind of at
1: the very bottom. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, my first one is is Danish. Now, as I'm looking at this, I probably should have prepared to put it into a translator because this is a rough one. But, mm-hmm. um, okay. Fjordvillen Fjordvillen That's good the, to me. <laughs> thank you. Before the devil puts his shoes on. Before the devil
0: puts his shoes on, is this like uh, don't procrastinate? Like just
1: go do it. Like don't wait for the right moment. Just go do it. Uh, no, but I can say you're going on the right track. Um, if you want to avoid procrastinating or um, or or being too late for something, you would uh, you would uh, you know, pr- you would start before the devil puts his shoes on. So like to be a leg up on someone? To, no, it's the time of the day. Oh, early in
0: the morning. There you go. There you go. Early you in the morning. Okay. Mm-hmm. The early bird gets the worm, people. Uh, yes. Well, Jared, I have an Indonesian Abasa phrase for you. And it is hangat hangat Tai ayam, which means warm like chicken poo.
1: Oh, I've said this one before, but I don't remember it now. Uh, I have no idea, and I, I definitely have said this before. And I already uh, this is well, what is it? Oh, hold on, hold on. Let, let me take it. Let me take a guess. Is it like it's mm-hmm. like um, is it like fresh? It's like uh, like something just happened, or or it's like um, you, you're getting there. Yeah, you're you're very close. Or it's like uh, you just like it. I don't know. I've uh, it's so jared it's
0: basically i don't know how to give you an example so i'm just going to tell you what it is it's okay. a person to describe a person who's excited to do something at the beginning or when it just starts but then you quickly lose interest and heart
1: oh uh, okay so chicken poo doesn't stay warm for long i imagine right right okay 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 exactly <laughs> exactly okay uh my my last one is basque as To look with the left eye. See, I don't like this because I'll give you a clue. It's left eye slander. It's not left eye slander. It's left it's slander. Lefty slander. It's in the sense that it's not something positive. Is to look like with the left give, eye.
0: Is it to like look at someone
1: uh, disapprovingly? Why would you look at them disapprovingly? Because they're doing, they're
0: stealing. They're doing something M- bad.
1: Maybe they stole something from you twelve years ago, and you don't, It doesn't oh, so, even affect oh, you it's anymore. It's to hold
0: a grudge. It's to hold a grudge. There you go. There you go. Okay. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, Jared, uh, let's talk about Harbin since uh, I was on the road again. Back in Harbin again, the one of the coldest cities in China, uh, and I tell you what, man, it was a great time. Uh, I was there Friday through Sunday. Uh, took a flight from Beijing, and uh, flight was about two hours. Slept on the plane almost the whole ride, so that was really nice. And uh, got in, and I think the day I landed, it was about minus five or minus ten. Whew. So it was Celsius, little little, little chilly. Uh, yes, yes. Okay. Um, and okay. so Friday, Friday, I just caught up with some colleagues, and we had dinner uh what did we, i don't even remember what we had for um, dinner now. american colleagues yes american okay. colleagues but we did walk around uh we did walk around the um main street it's, it's called central street in harbin which was absolutely beautiful they had ice sculptures all up and down the street which was pretty awesome to see uh lots of people i had one thing that i mentioned on our last harbin episode when you go there you have to get they have these like uh, homemade popsicles They're like all sorts of flavors But uh, because it was so busy They only had vanilla flavor and coffee flavor And since I had vanilla last time I was there I went for the coffee flavor mm-hmm. And oh my gosh dude It was so good <laughs> But it feels weird eating a popsicle outside In minus sure, freezing sure. degree weather um, mm-hmm. But it was delicious <laughs> man It was like it was like a frozen mocha latte It was oh, so tasty um, So
1: that was so- really fun yeah. So you went to, so just as a quick reminder for me and and the listeners, mm-hmm. we, so we, you, you recently, not relatively recently, did, we did an on the road again in Harbin. What did, what did mm-hmm. you just do the first time? Just a rough overview of what you did the first time. Yeah. You know, so you, the you first were there to present.
0: There for, yes, you, so the teacher. first time I was there to do a teaching workshop with a high school in Harbin. And okay. this time we did a workshop for, any teachers. Uh, it was through the uh, consulate in Shenyang, which is uh, another city near Harbin where they have a U.S. consulate. And uh, the event was put on. It's free for Chinese teachers to attend. Oh, cool. And we provide them with workshops, materials, other stuff. And it was just a lot of fun. It was a long day. I woke up at 6.30. I didn't go to bed until fairly late. Uh, I got done with work and everything about 5 o'clock, but then we went to the Ice Festival, which mm-hmm. I love my job. I love working with teachers, but I would be lying to you, Jared, and I would lo- be lying to the listeners if I didn't say that the ice festival was definitely the highlight of the trip. Because oh, I can imagine that I was saw those something pictures. Else. Yeah. So let me let me paint a picture for our, our listeners out there who don't follow us on Instagram, although you should on Translating yes. Podcast on Instagram to you see betcha. these pictures. I will tell you this though, Jared. I don't care if you have the new iPhone Pro, iPhone Eleven Pro, or whatever. I don't care if you have a fancy camera. Um, pictures do not do these, does not do the Ice Festival justice. I mean, they look can beautiful you, um, in the pictures.
1: Mm-hmm. Can you hold on one second? I have to answer this. I'm sorry. It's for my... Yep. Hello, Jared Miner. I missed it. I'm sorry. It's for, it's for my freaking... I bought a mattress and they're delivering it. <laughs> I missed it anyway. All right, go ahead. I'm sorry. Keep going. They did not You're do good. it justice. Why not? The pictures just
0: don't because you you don't see the vividness of the lights. And the other thing is, too, is a lot of these... So all these buildings you see are literally built Whoa. out of ice. They're built out of blocks of ice. This and is like I'm the size of a normal building. The size of a castle. They had legit Jeez. ice castles. Yeah. It was crazy. And the lights changed color. Um, they had some, They had speakers <clears> in all the lights. So they had music going on, too. It was... Quite the experience. Um, Do you know how the, they build it? So, well, I, I know this. I know that they, the way they get the ice is they get blocks from mm. a couple different rivers in China. Now, how they actually construct them, I'm not sure. But they're clean-cut blocks of ice. Uh, it's really impressive to see it up close. Uh, it's really something else. Um, and I paid 290 RMB to get in. I will tell you, I made a mistake and didn't buy tickets beforehand. Not that I think the price changes, because I don't think it does. But the lines were crazy. Uh, I was lucky enough to be with uh, uh, a a colleague of mine who she had a a Chinese contact who was able to get us like VIP tickets so we could go through the line. But it was the same price. Um, So 290 RMB for our American listeners out there is $42. And honestly, man, I think it was worth every cent. Yes, I froze my butt off because it was freezing and we were outside for over two hours in that cold. Uh, and this is a type of cold there that it's like cold in your bones. Like you feel it everywhere. Um,
1: uh, is it It's comparable to Michigan? Colder, colder would you say?
0: Colder, definitely okay. colder. Okay, um, that's and, saying and
1: something. I was, I was with a
0: couple coworkers of mine and uh, one of my coworkers is the real MVP. Uh, shout out to my colleague, Jay. She had, uh, like, those, like, warming packets, you know, that you can put in your pockets or, like, in your gloves or something. We put those on the bottom of our feet and then put them back into our boots. Um, and I do think oh, it a little bit. that's a good bit. idea. Yeah, because you're do walking you, on snow and ice. Mm-hmm. Do you have a good pair of winter boots? I have my, like, Nike Air Force boot mm, sneakers. So no things. is the answer. So they're not great.
1: Do you yeah. have good
0: socks? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Super warm okay. Costco socks. Had my thermal <laughs> undies on, uh had layers. That's right. Uh came to Harbin without a scarf, so I bought a scarf at HM. Uh that was definitely a good call. Um definitely a good call. But yeah, it was so beautiful, man. I mean, just the I mean, these are legit ice castles. It's so crazy. Right. And then they no, had it- ice sculptures. Uh, and the ice sculptures were actually we found out it was a competition so every year they have a competition so some of the sculptures are submitted from different countries so we saw a few of them from russia some from mongolia some from china yeah so they build them
1: there obviously they're not shipping them
0: right i I, yeah i don't know how you would ship because i mean we saw this ice sculpture from mongolia that was this woman's face yeah oh yeah yeah uh, let me see if I can. I don't know if I sent you all the pictures. I have quite a few of
1: them. So yeah. Let me oh, see here. Uh, is, is this one where it looks like it's on a wave or something? That's one of them. Yeah, that was okay. one from Russia. Uh huh. That one
0: was from Russia. Let me see if I can find the other one though. There was one of them. Oh ma- man, maybe I didn't take it. There so what did you do the first time you were in Harbin? I, I, uh, I know. We, like uh, in your free time. In my free time, I didn't have much free time because I had... Oh, was that had, where you didn't
1: even do anything? We just talked about the the, the, games, the games and stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah. I thought that was yep. Xi'an. Oh, uh, Xi'an. Well, Xi'an was also like that too
0: because mm. I was doing. A, uh, yeah, I was doing a workshop, so I, I don't see the picture. That's too bad because there was a, a really cool picture of uh, this one ice sculpture that was uh, like a woman's face. Mm -hmm. And they had even the details of like, you know how like lips have lines in them? If you look really closely, they even had those in there. Um, Damn. Everything. It was really crazy just the detail that some of these ice sculptures had. Um, They had other stuff too. Like they had had this slide that was like, they had uh, throughout the ice festival, they had 12 different slides. And when you came in at the entrance, you could buy little really crappy plastic sleds. Uh, that all the kids were were getting pulled around by their parents, which looked like a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, it was it was really quite quite an experience. And I think if you ever are in China during the winter time, uh, it's well worth checking out the Harbin Ice Festival. It really is something else. It's it's immaculate. It's beautiful. Every year they have a different theme. Based on what I saw, I think it just castles was the theme this year, but I'm right. not really sure. Um, was it they had a train? uh it was busy but i'm not sure if we went on the busiest day i'm not okay. sure when the busiest day is but it's also huge right uh, i mean it's easily over for our american listeners out there it's easily over two or th- even three football fields i mean it's huge hey i have a uh,
1: it, during it is air quality better during winter or is it less likely that there is going to be a like a super low air quality warning during winter when it's cold out. Does that affect it? The cold? Oh, the air quality was terrible. Absolutely. Okay, so terrible. the cold has nothing to do with it.
0: Well, well, so the cold, the the temperature itself does not, but the cold causes more people to burn heat, which a lot of places um, here in China they yeah. use either gas or coal, so that oh. will will definitely make the air pollution significantly okay. worse. Um, OK, that's for sure. Uh, it, it, yeah. So the air quality definitely wasn't good. Um, I could tell when I landed from the airport. Um, it was crazy. But let me give Did you, you have your mask an, on. Uh, I had my mask with me. I wore it uh, when we were out, but I didn't wear it inside. Um,
1: I feel oh, okay. weird wearing it inside. I mean, you can't, you um, can't, but let me, what are you going to present with that thing out? <laughs> exactly. Look like Bane given my teaching presentation. I don't think that'll be good.
0: Welcome. <laughs> so, yes, if you want to learn more about English teaching, you- I can't do the Bane voice. Game off. But yeah, you, you get, the, you get the, the idea. But the
1: interesting uh. thing though, Jared,
0: is there's actually three winter festival venues, and I only was able to go to one. So I went to Ice and Snow World which was awesome, it's internationally famous, and it's incredibly colorful at night. Now there are two other ones though. There is Sun Island Scenic Area, um, but these are actually snow sculptures and it's only open during the daytime. And then you also have uh, Zhaolin Park, uh, which has about a thousand ice sculptures and ice lanterns as a part of a competition. Um, You can uh, visit that one uh, in the night, uh, nighttime as well. Um, but it's definitely worth a visit. I want to give you and the listeners, though, Jared, just some fun facts and some information about Harbin because it's a really Please. cool city. Um, and uh, if I'm here again next year, I definitely am hoping to go back there again. Uh, I love the food. I love the people. Ooh, let me send you a picture of my food I had on my way out at the airport. Uh, I had some very traditional, uh, very traditional Harbin meal. I'll send it your way right now. Um, But it's the the food's really good. It's like this sweet and sour pork. It's almost like Jared, if you took a pork schnitzel, and you cut it in uh, smaller pieces, uh, and then put like this like really good like kind of vinegar sauce on it. um, That's what you'll get. So so yeah, so that was my meal at the uh, airport. And then I had some broccoli and carrots and some fried rice and some good old Harbin beer. So check that out. Sent that your way, Jared. Oh, yeah. Um, that looks great.
1: Super tasty. So I, I really mean, this looks the like cuisine a, there. They, th- yeah, this looks right up your alley. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and mine, too, for that matter. Yeah, super good. Are you getting um, better with so chopsticks? The fu-
0: oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Slow, Slowly but steadily. Yeah. Uh, we're getting there. But anyways, so I want to give you and the listeners some fun facts about Harbin. So Harbin does have the biggest winter festival in the world. Uh, and some of the biggest sculptures, uh, ice sculptures, are uh, about 50 meters tall. And there are 10 to 15 million visitors every year um, going to, the, to see these. And the uh, ice and snow sculptures obviously are created by thousands of people. Uh, and they're really, really amazing. And the International Ice and Snow Festival, which is what I saw, is the number one ranked ice festival in the world to see. So definitely check that out. Mm. Um, And so what's interesting is the tallest hollow ice tower was built in January uh, 2018, and it was 102 feet tall. Jeez, that's crazy. Did they win? They better have won. (laughs) I think so. Uh, I think so. Harbin is the world's coldest big city, at least according to uh, the source that I found here. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Which I'm not so sure about that. I
1: feel like there's got to be cities in Russia that are colder, but I could be wrong. But that's what this website says i I'm interested to know their criteria, but it's it's probably fair to say it's one of the coldest big cities. Well, we can say this, Jared. This is probably a safer thing to say, uh,
0: that Harbin is one of the top five coldest cities in the world. Uh, Mm. Oh, this is what makes it different, uh, Jared. The coldest big city is the fact that there are 10 million people living there. So th- I guess I would say uh, that's okay. probably accurate. With okay. 10 million people, it's the coldest city. That would make sense. Uh, so yeah, the region's population is about the same size as that of Chicago. Uh, to, just to uh, give city. you all some perspective. Uh, now, Harbin, though, used to be a European and actually a foreign city. Uh, Harbin was a Russian town in 1895. Uh, and it was to serve the construction of a Russian finance railway. Uh, And then during the war against Japan in 1905, it was a Russian military base. Uh, Hmm. After the 1917 revolution, about 100,000 Russians fled to the city. So in its heyday, uh, in the early 1920s, there were about 120,000 Russians living there. Can you... Uh,
1: And then there were also... Yeah? Can you see any sort of Russian, like, uh, signs of Russia there?
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, All over. Uh,
1: The the church
0: that, that is still standing there, which is a beautiful church... I believe it's uh, called um, this. Uh, Sophia is the name of the church, and it is Russian style, for sure. Uh, and that's oh, okay. also worth seeing at night. It's really beautiful. Um, I believe the first time I was there, I sent you pictures of that. Yeah, St. Sophia Church. Uh, but there's a lot of other Russian style architecture there. There are even Russian style like souvenir shops and gift shops, uh, Russian restaurants. Uh, Russian food is delicious. Um, So, yeah. And what's also interesting about Harbin Jared is that it had a very large Jewish community as well. Uh, In the 20th century, Harbin had one of the largest Jewish communities in the Far East. Uh, Hmm. In the 1920s and 30s, there were about 20,000 Jewish people who were mainly Russian who lived in the city during the Jewish community's height. So that's kind of cool. Very interesting. Uh, Apparently, the best ski park as well in China is... Uh, not in Harbin, but very near Harbin. It's about two and a half hours away. Uh, but you can uh, get a car. Would you be willing to check uh, it out? Uh, Do you know how to ski? I'm not a big skier. Uh, I used to snowboard, but I'm not a big skier or snowboarder, mm. um, to be honest. Uh, also, make sure if you visit Harbin, <laughs> you bring lots of layers, lots and lots and lots of layers, um, because it gets very cold. I was there in November, and it was already about freezing. Um so yeah and one tip i guess that some people say is actually to wear dark colors so you can absorb sunlight for added warmth uh so that's kind of interesting i didn't know that you never heard that Um, before i haven't no
1: oh yeah yeah i mean it's the same like like i I think that's why a lot of people in the middle east wear white as well for the opposite reason because it doesn't absorb as much heat makes
0: sense right makes sense but yeah, Harbin is an amazing city. The ice festival is is well worth a visit. Um, so check it out. Check out our Instagram, Untranslatable Podcast, for pictures of that. I'll double check uh, too, Jared, and send you any that I haven't sent you. Um, okay. Just so you've got them all, because there are Thanks. some. There are
1: some good ones. Yeah. Um, but like I said, the pictures really don't do it justice. They I really, can imagine. Really don't. Some of them look like legitimate build. Like at first, I thought there was somehow like I was like, is there like ice over a building like is that like a parliament nope. building that they it's put ice, ice. Over? <laughs> yeah it's crazy yeah yeah those it's are so awesome. crazy um all right yeah. let's speaking of uh, uh, that's not i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say that um let's go on to the song of the pod. <laughs> <laughs> let's do it uh so, the Jared, song one of the, of the reasons why i chose this song this week
0: is because it's a russian song even mm-hmm. though the title is sexy frau which is sexy woman in german mm-hmm. um but uh, there's a lot of Russian influence in Harbin that you can see. This is also just a fun song. And uh, my girlfriend showed it to me. We were hanging out. It was me, her, and her friend. And uh, they, they were listening to it. And I was like, wait a minute. The, the title's <laughs> German? What? Uh, and there's some English in the song, too. Yeah. Um, and the, this, the the artist Bianca is her name. She, like, raps in the song. And she mm-hmm. sings a little bit. It's really interesting. But what's what's your take on it, Jared? um
1: um very russian pop is my take uh she's a very sexy frau bianca she has some very sexy dance moves um but it's it's um yeah i mean it's just like pop music like it sounds like something you might hear at i don't know a club or something and in russia i could imagine um but yeah i don't know i mean you know it's it's uh i mean it's generic pop for sure Definitely. I mean, I wouldn't be
0: listening to the song if you're looking for some poetic, <laughs> deep lyrics, but if you're looking for like a fun beat and like kind of a catchy sure. tune, I think yeah. it's, a, it's a good good thing to listen to. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. You can put that fun. out at a party and you know, it, would, it would be fun. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, and I have to say, man, I really love listening to Russian music. Like I like the way it sounds, either mm-hmm. sung or rapped. I think it sounds really cool. Yeah. Uh, and I think... I think, like German, the Russian language sometimes has a bad it's reputation. A bad yeah. I think especially in the States, because most evil villains in any spy movie <laughs> seem to always be Russian. <laughs> uh, and so people associate the language with, like, bad people. But, you know, that's obviously not true at all. Or, like, mo- uh, mobsters yeah, or something. I think the language sounds awesome. <laughs> right. Exactly. So check that out on our YouTube channel, Untranslatable Podcast. You betcha. And the Song of the Pod playlist. Sexy Frau by Bianca. Give it a mm. listen. Yeah, uh, might get stuck in your head. So it's time for the Chinese word of the pod today, and that is Bing, and Bing means ice in Chinese.
1: Thought it was very okay. fitting for Harbin. My Spanish word of the pod, I would bet, is also very fitting. Escul- escultura, escultura, is that sculpture? It is. Yes. Yes. Very nice. There were lots of
0: great ice sculptures there. So I think that's very fitting, Jared. Uh, exactly. So to wrap up today's episode about Harbin, um, definitely go there for the ice festival. Go there for the buildings. Go there for the lights, The just the lights, the sights, the attractions. But don't forget to walk around the Central Street. Get yourself a popsicle. I don't care if it's minus 30, <laughs> minus 40. They're So tasty. It's worth it. Super, super good. So try that out. Uh, Harbin is really a very interesting city in terms of comparing other cities in China. Uh, And I think that um, especially if you're a Westerner or if you've never been to Russia, it's kind of cool to see how Russian culture and Chinese culture mesh together in one city. So it's really great. But don't forget, bring your long johns, bring your warm thermal undies, bring your Costco socks,
1: Bring your gloves and scarves because it will get cold there. But it's definitely worth a visit. And speaking of Chinese culture, don't forget to check out American Factory. And if any of you guys do watch it, whether you're American or Chinese or you're from uh, some other country, all the various countries out there, I'd be interested to know how um, people from different countries would, would view the Chinese or American working culture. or maybe I agree. Or maybe, like, if you're from a different culture, which which culture do you seem to find yourself siding more with, agreeing more with? You know, right. I th- I'd find that interesting. I would too. Yeah. So get at us at untranslatablepodcast at
0: gmail.com. Uh, if you have any other tips or things to see or to do in Harbin, let us know as well. Untranslatablepodcast at gmail.com. Slide into our DMs on Twitter, untranslatable1. Let us know what you thought yeah. of American Factory, or just tell us what's going on. Uh, Jared's Jared's good at retweeting, so he might give you a little retweet. Um, I'm completely Twitter illiterate, so pardon, <laughs> pardon me. Um, otherwise, check out our YouTube channel, Untranslatable Podcast, for Songs of the Pod, and to see uh, Jared's beautiful face as well. So uh, uh, check it out. So we thank you all. Uh, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Let us know how we can make this episode better for you by giving us uh, five star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher. We'll also happily shout you out if you uh, want us to do that as well. So, as we say
1: here at the Untranslatable Podcast, ya puyame, muchas gracias, and shisha.